You're listening to Real Crime, the Movie Sleuth Podcast. Now listen here, Chris. I want to know. What do you want to know? How many times I've been late? Couple. Bullshit. Oh, by like two minutes or something. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Stop being such a pussy. Dude, you got me all flustered. I'm all upset now. I don't know how the fuck you want me to perform now. We're going down this road already. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, all right. Sorry, I'm here. We're all here. We're all really happy. We got a really fucking cool guest here tonight, too. I'm really excited about that. This is Real Crime. We are officially 62. We're so fucking old. Medicare, is that what they call it? Yeah. You get Medicare now? Yes. Dude, we're getting way up there. Get off my lawn. <laughs> that was like it back in like show 23. We were we were already like old people back then. If you ever listen, yeah, I don't remember what show 23 was, but yeah, we were already the, the crotchety old um, veterans. Um, but here we are, uh, episode 62. Have a lot to cover tonight. Um, let's do news first. And, you know, I think we have something we want to insert. Me and M- Michelle want to insert into you. All right. Uh, but let's do news first. <laughs> You're looking good this week. Thank you. You have your wedding band on. Yeah, really not, though. This is just a fake one. Oh, is it? Yeah, because I don't like to wear my real one for work. I don't you know, blame you. Because I'd probably lose it like, well, in an you're, attic somewhere. And when you're also on the street beating the shit out of people trying exactly. to get news, you don't want to lose your Usually it's Kid Rock band. fans that I'm beating the hell out of. There's like 60 <laughs> people down there. The, the Kid Rock show yeah. is happening as we yeah. speak right now. And you don't want to get mold on the ring either. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, because when I say kiss my ring, they might end up getting mold in their mouth. So. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> so we got a lot going on here. What is in the news this week, Chris? In the news, it breaks all records. Highest R-rated released weekend of all time. Made almost $170 million globally. Globally. Over okay. four days, three and a half days. Wow. Absolute insane numbers. Domestically made $132 million between Thursday and Monday. All of this against a $35 million budget. That was it? Mm-mm. Yeah. Fucking movie quadrupled its budget. In- it seems kind of weird how it blew up. Kind, I don't understand, I guess, what... I mean, it's good. It's a good... It's a really good movie, but yeah. I don't just... What, why this we're gonna, movie? We're going to go Thursday. I know that's that's happening for sure. Oh, so you haven't be seen it my, yet? Uh, no, we. I haven't seen it yet either. Uh, I just got back in the state a couple days good. ago. I don't know what's going on here. There's a movie. Well, they've kind of been hyping it for like yeah. I feel like almost a year for real. Yeah, yeah. it really has been. It's I mean, and it's been a slow burn hype. Not not too much in your face, just kind of there, and then all of a sudden, oh, it's out now. Yeah, I should see it. You should, yeah, you're gonna love it, dude. I mean, I'm mean, just saying that's what, how people probably feel about that. Maybe, yeah. I mean, I don't want to go into the, the ins and outs of the marketing campaign behind this film, but it's kind of a pop a... culture phenomenon right yeah. now. I mean, everything is it when there's like McDonald's stuff about it out there. In it's other... an R rated film, yeah, but they don't care. Everything is hopping on board the it train right now. <laughs> the, mo- the movie really did have a lot of star power going right in. I mean, we all know we all watched the, the you know, the, the the TV one when we were kids. I, I loved it. So I think it did have a lot of star power going in, and maybe that's what really propelled it to where it is now. So congratulations to those guys. Yay. You fucking evil clown. You guys oh, yeah. And I, I just read a headline, too. Um, this is a social media age, so I only read the headline. Um, <laughs> the, the director just signed on to do the a Dracula prequel, so he's already got work down the pipeline. And he said that he wants to direct the Pet Cemetery remake also. Oh, nice. 
So, so this guy's pretty much set for the rest of his life. Basically. <laughs> Great. J.J. Uh, Abrams has signed on to direct episode that. nine I after Colin that. Trevor out, dropped out. And in regards to that, episode nine just got pushed back um, from May 2019 to December 2019. Oh, big surprise there. Well, they're having some major problems over at Star Wars land right now. I'm surprised now. they even considered doing May. So wait, for so... Force Awakens is seven. Seven. The Last Jedi is eight. Mm-hmm. And nine is going to finish an arc? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Of the original Skywalker whole dealio. Yeah. Oh, okay. Until they do another one. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> you, you know it's know. coming. Yeah. Some cliffhanger will just knock us yep. across the teeth. Yeah, great. Uh, other news, Tyrese Gibson is begging The Rock not to do a Fast and Furious spinoff. I have no idea why that's news, but apparently they don't want him to do it. Well, the original I, I, cast. I, I went on record with that too. Can we put that in the news also? Yes, I hope so. Please don't do any more of this. Uh, and Nick Cage is making another independent feature called Primal about ooh, ooh. a big game hunter. <laughs> Whoever could have imagined mm. Nick Cage making a really bad, bad movie? Is that the one mm. where there's a picture of him covered in blood? Probably. That's all I saw was the yeah. image. So that's that. Probably. Sure, that the last Either makes the best house. movies ever or the worst movies ever. There's no in between. And even the worst ones are still fun. I love that crazy bastard. Yeah. <laughs> I love him. He just does the same thing over and over again. Screams. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> in new releases this week, we've got American Assassin, which I'm seeing tomorrow night at the press screening. Ooh. And Thursday, Darren Aronofsky's mother is officially out. This Thursday? Yep. Oh, dude, maybe I... Ooh, Get on I'm going to be seeing that. Use yeah. my old movie it might pass. Be the, it might be the Lambert uh, Amber double feature Thursday yeah. night. Yeah, good idea. They work it out. To figure that. Oh, God. So I got to see Mother. Uh, So suggested viewings for this week. Mine, I actually just picked this movie up on Netflix the other night. It's called Curve. It stars Julianne Hoff in it. It's really bad, but it's really kind of like a uh, uh, twist on... What was the movie with Franco when he cuts his arm off? 147 hours or something like yeah, that? Whatever. Yeah, whatever. I think I'm messing up However the hours. much time he was How much ever yeah, time it, it takes me to cut off you my arm, it. the movie. <laughs> it's kind of a spin on that where she is a female that's trapped in a Jeep that's or a car that's tipped upside down mm. in a ravine, and she might have to chop her leg off to escape. But it was pretty good because she's sexy, and I like watching her. So... <laughs> You got any, Michelle? Another fetish we can mark down for Chris. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a movie I watched recently I liked is uh, it's called Dave Made a Maze. And it's about a guy that's an artist that's having a creative block. And he builds um, a cardboard maze in his apartment. But it turns out the inside's bigger than the outside. And he gets stuck inside the maze. And, uh, and his girlfriend and his friends have to go inside the cardboard maze and get him. And there's like monsters in there and puppets and everything in there is made out of cardboard and paper mache and stuff. But it's actually pretty dark. It's like a horror comedy. Really? It's, yeah. It sounds immensely interesting. Did, did you re- say Netflix? Um, or? it's not Netflix. I had to rent it on Amazon Prime. Okay. Uh, but uh, it's actually not. I wouldn't say it's like a masterpiece or anything. It's got a lot of issues, but it's really creative and fun and interesting. And I've never seen anything like it before. And uh, and it has puppets. I'm always really happy about. And there's a Minotaur too, Sweet. for some reason. Well then, I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> 
I want before we go into Steve's stuff, we really just kind of dove into this show, and we have this super special guest I mentioned. Yes, super special bonus guest. Whatever you call it, super special Steve, <laughs> super special Steve. Steve Green's here, Voyager three. Okay, and you just now we've we've had you on before. Yes, a super cool band. Now I saw something on on the on on the interwebs on the social networkers or whatever they call them. You just won an award. I did indeed. Yeah. Would you win? Would you win? Um, well, in in addition to Voyager three, I also do solo stuff, and I also do scoring um, of films and mm-hmm. TV and stuff like that. Uh, and the band does too. It's just however it works out mm-hmm. versus time, production, logistics, yeah, all the whole nine yards. So this film came to me about a year ago called Future, and uh, it's kind of a sci-fi time travel dark comedy kind of a film. Okay, and uh, I scored it. And uh, I didn't hear anything for quite a while on, on any, any updates or information on it. Then all of a sudden, uh, the director texted me, uh, Rob um, Cousinow, and uh, he said, hey, this is, uh, has been accepted to uh, the Genre Blast Film Festival in, uh, in uh, Virginia. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm like, cool, man. And he said, can you go? And I'm like, when is it? And he's like, it's... Uh, it's uh, the first weekend of uh, or second weekend in September. I'm like, oh, I would love to, but I got a two month old baby, so I yeah. I cannot, <laughs> um, or a two week old baby. Sorry. Um, so, but oh, yeah. then I got a text um, on Sunday night that uh, the film won uh, a Vanguard Award at the Genre Blast, and also the the lead actor um, Josh. Cousin, now they happen to be brothers, the director and mm-hmm. the and the actor. Yeah, they also co-wrote it. Um, he won best actor, and then it also won best score, which that's my department. So I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me! <laughs> so cool, outstanding, yeah. dude. Congratulations, thank you. Very cool. What is your suggested viewing this week? You see anything good, Steve? Yeah, actually, I I saw uh, this on uh, Monday night um, on Netflix. Um, it's called. I'm pretty sure it's called The Big Sick. I'm I'm almost certain yes. it is. Um, it's not horror or anything like that. It's just like kind of a real life, uh, type of a film comedy, kind of bumblecore genre type of, yeah. um, situation. And, uh, I don't know the actor's name. He plays a Pakistani in the film, but I don't know if he actually is Pakistani or not, mm-hmm. or might be Indian. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen him in a bunch of things. He does stand up. He's great. I just don't know his name. Um, but it's a great film. It's not trying to, you know, reinvent the wheel or, or, blow you away or anything like that but it's just a solid film that has good comedy and a good kind of a romance thing going on and just solid it's a great film so i recommend that kumail nanjiani see that one kumail nanjiani is that his name okay yeah, yeah he's great he, he's yeah funny i've as seen hell. him in a few things before yeah he's really good some movies that i mean we've said that i think we've said that about a lot of films here you know not all films have to be groundbreaking to be great. Sometimes they can just be what they are and take their cues from other things and do a great job doing that. You mm. know, and uh, yeah, it sounds like that. Now you got me interested. Now I'm going to have to see that. I've heard nothing but really good things about this movie. We gave this movie a really good review, too. Okay. So cool. Nice. Yeah, yep. I, I really enjoyed it. I haven't seen anything this week because I've been killing myself doing everything else. However, we did go <laughs> last Thursday, myself, Michelle, Mr. Chris, and uh, the lovely Mr. Andrew all uh, went out to Ann Arbor, Michigan here. And for, mm-hmm. the, for our listeners who 
don't live in the state. Uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan's like, you know, U of M, yay, rah, rah, rah. Uh, really great school out there. And they have the wonderful Michigan theater where I've seen Henry Rowan speak, for example. Uh, a few other things I've seen there. It's a beautiful theater. It's very old. It's, you know, I could sit there and just look at the ceiling of the place and, and enjoy that. But we came out there for the 35-millimeter screaming, <laughs> screening, <laughs> wiped, screening of Suspiria. <laughs> Uh, film Dario Argento. Uh, if you if you haven't seen that, <laughs> yeah, re recommend you should see that. This was a 35 millimeter print that we were told that before the film was before they put the film on was found in an old theater. Basically, it was just some abandoned theater they went through and they found this can in Italy. In Italy, yeah, in Italy, uh, and they found this and now it's on tour. It's it's going all over to being screened. So. Um, and this was what leads to the very brief, hilarious thing that happened during the film. And I have to point this out, Michelle, and you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, so the, as soon as they put the film on, I mean, it looked beautiful. It was a little faded. We all talked about that after. We noticed mm -hmm. it was a little faded. Um, it was still beautiful, but the sound, it, the sound wasn't bad at all. The sound was very good, but it was very loud. And it was just had a lot of mid to it, which a lot of those films from that era yeah. did. And it immediately, I brought my earplugs for a reason. It immediately just kind of hit me. Steve, you know this. If it's something that hits you the wrong way in your ear, you just kind of wince a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you anybody, can fatigue quickly. Yeah, you fatigue real quick. Well, I brought my really, really good earplugs that I bring to things like this just in case. High-end concert earplugs that just filter out all that noise so I can enjoy the film. Put them in. No problem. Totally takes the edge off. I'm kicking back. I'm into it. Awesome movie. About halfway through the film, I take my earplug out just to give my ear a break. And the rubber part from the earplug got stuck in my ear. And it wasn't like on the out. It was jammed in my ear. Ugh. Oh, man. So I'm like, oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> well, you can, you, can, you can sweat this out to the end of the movie. And I panicked. I literally started. I, I swear. I got started sweating. So I was panicking. I'm like, oh my God, there's some shit in my ear. And so I just like fucking bolt. Like I, I, I stomp on top of Chris and Michelle on the See, way out. See, we thought he had to take a shit. <laughs> well, and he just he was, said he had shit in his ear. And he was gone for like 20 minutes. So I was like, dang, he took a big old dump because we had just like <laughs> ate dinner before we went to. <laughs> I seriously thought he was well, taking the dump. You know, all, all things of what you knew. <laughs> You know, the impression that you had, I, I thought the same thing. So, yeah. no, I, no worries. Right, right, right. So, I run out, I run to the bathroom going, okay, you got to fix this shit because you're missing the damn movie. This is ridiculous. Um, and so that's when you found the glory hole. I found the glory hole. Stuck there I was stuck there for the rest of the night. It was all over with. So, I'm like looking in the mirror trying to see. Uh. I grab a key, you know, which we all know is the most perfect thing to stick in your ear it's the greatest <laughs> thing ever so i'm trying to dig this piece of rubber out of my ear and now this old man walks in the bathroom and i'm like hey man you come here <laughs> and he's like yeah i go you see some shit in my ear he's like yeah there's something in there i'm like well okay well i'm not gonna ask for any help i can't expect that so i'm now i'm sitting there like i'm in utter, I'm, i gotta go to a friggin' urgent care i mean i've really screwed myself up <laughs> they're in the middle of the film they're gonna wonder what the hell happened to me no this they knew just, what happened to you yeah, well, yeah. yeah <laughs> apparently yeah so i run i'm like okay one more thing i run to the front and i go to the manager at the front you know the front desk of the place and i'm like sir can we talk for a minute he's like yeah i go do you happen to have a first aid kit here by any chance He's like, well, yeah. I go, in that kit, are there any tweezers? He's like, yeah, I can get them for you. What's wrong? I'm like, uh, oh, boy. So I explained to him. He's like, oh, my God. He looks at my ears like, oh, my God. He's like, dude, let me get them for you. So he gets them for me. 
He's like, let me help you. Let me put some gloves on and I'll help you out, man. So he took me back into his office and with his gloves on, we put a light, a cell phone light thing in my ear and we pulled it out. <laughs> and we got it out of my ear. And the poor guy, when it came out, he was like, ah, his hands flew up in the air. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I'm like, come here. I got to give you a hug. You little, you little bearded hipster. You, I love you. Come here. <laughs> you know, so I gave him a big old hug and he, I'm like, I'm really sorry to That's not it. all that happened. Oh, we, I, well, yeah, we shut the door. Okay. Made out. Right. Uh, so yeah, I, that guy was super cool. I really felt totally humbled and really embarrassed, but he was very nice about it. it helped me out. And I got back into the theater. Now, oh, here, here's the other part. Really fast. Really <laughs> fast. Meanwhile, I had turned my phone back on. You know, the crappy cricket one we were just talking about a minute ago. Um, so I could get the light on there. Right? So as I'm running back in the theater, I'm like, oh, crap. I forgot to, I got to turn my phone back off. So now I sit, stomp on top of Michelle and Chris again, <laughs> slam down into the seat. And I'm like trying to shut my phone off, which is usually a pretty easy operation, but not now. Of course not. Well, you're no. rattled. It's, yeah. it's understandable. Yeah. So <laughs> Andrew's, meanwhile, Andrew, who really is into the film, don't want to, I mean, I'm doing my best not to interrupt anything, but Andrew sees me fucking with my phone. He's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm just trying to, oh, and, I, and of course, I got a signal again. So shit starts pouring into the phone. Ding, 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 boom, beep, boom, beep, boom, And I'm like, fucking son of a bitch. So I finally shut the thing off and. We enjoyed the rest of the film. <laughs> Man, what an adventure. Fuck me. And the whole time <laughs> I just like was thinking he was shitting. Yeah, he had too much Taco Bell on the way. Yeah. yeah. No, God, no. We had good German beer or whatever. <laughs> so that, that avocado was, just set me off. <laughs> but it was it was a, it was amazing. I got, thankfully, I only missed a few minutes, like Michelle said, I think. At 20? Yeah. No way. Well, there was an interesting thing about the film that was, it was uh, a 35 millimeter projection, but they didn't have hard subs on it. So they had to digitally project subs separately onto it and time them, hand time them. Oh, wow. So they actually did a pretty good job, but every once in a while you could tell like it would get messed up and they'd like repeat them and stuff. But I thought it was cool that there was somebody back there hand time. So it was, it was in Italian. Yes. It was all Italian. I would have loved to have seen that. I wish I could have seen it. It was actually a very good looking print other than it was a little pink hue. Yeah, it was a little little faded. It Hmm. was a little faded and pinky. But other than that, it looked really good. There wasn't a lot of damage to it or anything. That would be so freaking terrifying. For those of you who didn't get to see that and want to see it in the most pristine version ever i think it's it's a michigan company too synapse just released the 4k, 4K yep. yeah. uh, nice. uh, steel tin box whatever they call that <clears throat> i uh, pre-ordered that uh, you know i was about to and i saw that it was like 45 dollars. yeah, yeah. And, and i'm like oh man. and i love <laughs> yeah. love 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 that film but you got to draw a line somewhere. Yeah. I'm not getting a $1,000 phone. I'm not paying $45 at yeah. Little Caesars <laughs> Arena. And I'm not going to pay $45 for a Blu-ray of Suspiria. You're cheap. I know. Well, the only reason I justified <laughs> it to myself is I don't own Suspiria on any other format. I wouldn't be go. double dipping. Yeah. And then I knew that if I didn't buy it now, they were only making 5,000 copies. Like two years from now, I'm going to be like, oh, I want it. And it would be like $200. On eBay. Yes. So You're right. See, was... you, you did the smart thing. You did. <laughs> So, Not yeah. to say I haven't triple dipped or even quadruple dipped on movies before, but I felt better about that one because it's, it's I hadn't so, bought it's it on so anything yet. It's terrifying, man, to watch that. There's there's some cuts in that, you know, some just some of the, you know, the special effects, which are all practical, of course. Um, it's just hard to watch. No, it, the heart. It's, it's a straight up masterpiece in my opinion. So A lot of people incredible. were laughing at it, I noticed. 
kids these well, days. Well, I guess yeah, I guess the young people are going to find it campy, but idiots. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and the guy and the guy who put it on was very cool. We got to listen yeah. to him speak for a few minutes, and he had some really great things to say. So uh, it was all in all a really good experience, considering the circumstances, at least for me. Uh, and thankfully, the people who I was with did not beat the shit out of me after the show going, no. what the hell was wrong with you, dude? Even though you deserved it. I deserved every bit of it. <laughs> so what are we uh, talking about today, Chris? We're talking about John Carpenter tonight. Oh, <laughs> who's that guy? He is the master, man. He's the master. <laughs> Not uh, just a director, but a composer also. Yep. one of the best ever. Yeah. Um, yes. I guess, I mean, <laughs> the list that I threw together for this myself, I don't know about you guys, um, was more or less just the films he directed. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's, yeah. I figured we'd, we'd focus on that. Um, do we just want to work down, you know, uh, oldest Working to newest way. chronologically? Doesn't matter to me. Because I really would love to talk about Dark Star. <laughs> <laughs> Has everybody seen Dark Star on this? I actually have not. I, I've been told by Whoa. a couple people that it's a must, so it's on my short list. It's. It, I, I, I saw it many years ago, and I refreshed myself uh, a couple weeks ago, knowing that we were going to be doing this this show um obviously it's a very young john carpenter um still finding his direction in, in my opinion i mean the way it looked the way it felt the way it sounded um it's a comedy really it's it's yeah it's, it's a like sci-fi comedy yeah it's really kind of slow very slow paced but yeah, it is. the visuals for the time pre-star wars are actually pretty good and you can kind of see where lucas may have pulled some of his ideas from dark star yeah the thing that i think is the most interesting about this is that dan o'bannon of alien mm -hmm. fame is one of the stars in the movie yeah plays oh, pinback nice. okay. yeah. so that's a little interesting tidbit i think i've only ever seen this movie one time well to draw a line even to alien and maybe he had some type of influence on this because it still has the ship of course, I forgot the name of the damn ship, but it has that feel. Like if we if we watch the original Alien, and it's one of the things I know they really went for in the original Alien was you know high tech. We're in space. We're mining. We're doing all this really heavy stuff. However, you go inside the ship, there's like you know naked girl pictures on the wall. Yeah, <laughs> people smoking cigarettes, and it's kind of grimy and dirty. You know, it's like a place where people work at. You know, it's like a factory. It's kind of you know it's kind of it's got that wear on it. It's kind of yep. beat on, and the ship in Dark Star kind of has that same feel, same industrial. It's got the same yeah. feel, and it's got their and and it's hilarious. They have their sleeping rooms where yeah, there's just pictures of chicks everywhere, and yeah. these guys are all hanging out and they're just doing whatever, and they're <laughs> and they're like they're workers. They're what just year working did it come them. out? That was mm. 1974. Yeah, 74. Yeah, so it it had that kind of I I mean I noticed that kind of griminess that you know yeah. it's kind of dirty. However. The two films cannot be compared at all because they're <laughs> polar opposites when it comes to mood. Mm -hmm. um, this movie, it's a hard. I'm, I'm going to be honest. It's a hard watch. Oh, it's hard. It, it's, especially as old as it is right now, it doesn't really translate very well. And then and the Alien. Oh God. Yeah, it's just not. It's not his greatest work. But again, this was his first yeah, full length he, release, he so he kind of gave him a pass for this that. Is something he's building on. Um, I know I've watched some. Uh, some some bonus material from uh, M. Night Shyamalan. I was always screw his name up. I can never get it right. Uh, but asshole. I watched some of his his bonus materials on some of his films, and he actually has he puts it up. To, he's like, I want you guys to see the stuff I used to work on when I was younger. And he literally had like monster things he was doing in his living room that were on RC cars, <laughs> and him going uh, and freaking out. And here comes this little RC car with a monster mask on it. 
Hmm. And it's, you know, it's somebody building, and, and this is what Carpenter was doing with Dark Star, I think. Yeah, I, it's tough to watch, but if you know where it's coming from and where this man went, obviously, um, it's it's cool. It really, it, it humbles you, I guess, to a certain degree, judging by the work that he did even after this. Yeah, um, and so. probably the bigger fan you are of John Carpenter probably the more and i'll put this in air quotes forgiveness you'll give oh, a, totally. a film That's like what that I mean. and yeah, if yeah. you're a casual john carpenter fan you probably wouldn't like it perhaps no. but it's fun i highly recommend anybody to check it out it's a good time um assault on precinct 13 you guys have all seen this one yeah. correct i love that theme too that's one of my favorite oh yeah uh, pieces of his oh, music. Dude. I love the the fact that the theme um later on in the film the one of the main characters just whistles it yeah. Like, um, he's just whistling the theme, and they're not playing the theme at the time. Mm. And he's just, I always thought that was a cool little callback kind of a thing. I never realized that. I'm going to have to uh, check it out again it's with like in that the in mind. It's like in the middle part of it. He's walking down the the the, uh, the corridor, and he's just whistling the actual theme of the yeah. movie, but they're not playing it at the time. Hmm. I was like, oh, look at that little callback yeah. theme. Yeah, that's nice. This is a movie they made a remake of, and the remake was actually pretty damn good, too. I never saw that. I've always seen the original. You didn't like it? No. I mean, it lost a lot. I haven't seen it either. (laughs) Ethan Hawke is in it. He plays, like, the main character. It wasn't, like, terrible, but it just was one of those remakes where it it didn't add anything to the thing. It just just modernized it. Yeah, modernized it. Yeah. Uh, Why the things happen in the film the way they do, I'm going to try to get this out there i mean i do understand that there was like this group of vigilantes not vigilantes but criminals mm-hmm. yeah see we get we get a glimpse into that you know and there's some really hard shit to watch in this movie too there's some very difficult things to see i mean i don't ever like seeing a child harmed no and, and it's pretty pretty full-on you know to watch that in this film and you know i watched it was another one that i reviewed again you know just kind of refreshed myself in the last couple of weeks and I, I haven't seen it in a while and i remember that part came up and i'm like oh shit man why am i watching this movie uh it's a tough part to watch in the film and it's like right in the beginning of the film right yeah. kind of part of the you know how the plot's built yeah too. i think you need to have something very jarring like that to set the tone and and, and frame your way you think about the characters. Oh yeah, because they're they're just you were like, okay, I want to see all these people die in horrendous right, ways, right. and they do. Thank goodness. <laughs> Sorry, spoiler, <laughs> but hey. <laughs> I think what's great about that movie is shit hits the fan really quick. It's it no just, joke, yeah, and it just like keeps going, like it's just falls at a wall, you know, just rough action stuff going on constantly. Not a lot of you know downtime in that no. movie, and it feels like kind of shorter than it is. It just feels like it flies by. It does, uh, and they really, yeah, they really. It don't really let up on you. Mm-hmm. There's always something happening. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a fun. It's it's a it's lo- constantly you know, moving. There's yeah. always something going on. Yeah, it's 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 good action. Um, again, I think it was still Carpenter building. Uh, he's still finding some kind of direction, and oh, did he. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, to me, that one, it's been a long time since I've seen it. I need to revisit it. But I think that one kind of has some of the telltale signs of Carpenter. Okay. That that kept going. He was finding his stride, and he did. In the music, too. We We knew that. I mean, that's where the music really started to come out from him also. Yeah, that's one of, to me, one of his top Mm -hmm. themes. Oh, yeah. I've got this one on vinyl. When he came by last summer um, at the Masonic 
uh, that that was when they played. I was very happy about that. Oh yeah, I went to that show too. Yeah, yeah. he's coming oh, through yeah. again pretty soon, isn't he? Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, L Club. L Club on November tenth, I believe. Are you guys going to that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, I did. Sure. I was. Uh, actually, I'm going to a Legend of Zelda orchestral co- co- concert. Today. <laughs> <laughs> I had another nerdy Super thing. Nerd. I, I admire the courage that it that it took to say that. So you enjoy. This song. isn't yes. even the first like video game concert I've been to. It's like the third in two years. Is it is it like the original composers who did that music play it, or is it covered by uh, people? Or how no, does it's work? the Detroit uh, Orchestra. Oh, uh, gotcha. that's cool. It. Yeah, that's so yeah cool. that should be absolutely stellar for sure. Yeah. That's why I'm a big Michelle fan. <laughs> Those <laughs> tickets for Al Club awesome were shit. really expensive, though, weren't they? They were twice as expensive. Yeah, as the I want to say fifty-five. I think. Oh, that's 50, not too bad. I think it was that. That's not too bad for a smaller club. I would no, pay I'll, that. I like Al Club too. If you're here in Detroit, you know L Club's a newer place, and it's. I love going to shows there. It's it's a lot of fun. They have an absolutely fantastic sound system and light. The lighting system, system is state too. of the art. It's, my it's my first show there is is going to be quite a show. I, I I get to see Quicksand. There. Yeah, I'll see you there, Steve. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah I, I, yeah. Knew, I yeah, I yeah. knew I would. Yeah, <laughs> I knew you were. Gonna, that was before it came out. I'm like, I know we're going to be seeing Quicksand together at L Club. When it, that's coming up pretty soon too, isn't it? Yeah, it's like 26 or 22nd, something like that. I, I bought a ticket the, the the minute I heard about it. I think it's the 26th. Okay, yeah, it has that to be sounds the 26th. right. 26th, yeah, because yeah, I hope it's the 26th. I have also <laughs> yeah, the the I month. have also pre-ordered the new record. Yes, I, I, I'm, I'm. I've always. I've since day one. I've been a. a You've been a, a diehard a, a quicksand, quicksand dude. Oh yeah, oh, hell for sure. yeah. And handsome and all the oh, offshoots. Yeah, handsome, nine that handsome rec- record was fantastic yeah. too. I, I, I feel that that's one of the most underrated records of the whole '90s. But we're getting off topic. <laughs> no, we're getting on topic. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> 1978. A film was made by John Carpenter that wow. I. I don't really think we can really express. How important it is, at least to to the I guess to the slasher slash horror genre. Yeah, um, I don't. You, it's a kind of an obscure film. I don't know people. Not a lot of people have seen it. I don't think. It's no. on my shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's a film called Halloween. Um, yeah, I know. Check it out. It's probably at the family video or something. You know, <laughs> You've it. probably um, never seen it before. Yeah, if you're never a horror seen fan. it ever. Um, why was this, you know, just to just throw it out there, though, I want to hear what everybody else has to say about this. Um, why do you think this film's so important? I mean, I have my reasons, but I'm curious what you guys think. I think the way the film was shot with that that opening sequence, I, I had never seen anything like that before. And that opening sequence of the film basically sets everything else up yeah, for all, the rest of the movie point of view like that yeah yeah mm-hmm. and i that was one of the probably the first time that had really been done mm-hmm. and i think that just sunk its hooks into people and they were off and running with it yeah i agree yeah everything about that film was uh to me groundbreaking and and, and you have to keep in mind too of it was 1978 <clears throat> nowadays everybody's done everything I, I sometimes feel, you know, but then <clears throat> nobody had done anything like that before. So you had this sparse uh, score, a uh, very distinctive score too. God, but, it, you know, even score. besides the main theme, the rest yeah. of it is very minimalistic, typical John Carpenter style. It lets, I think it lets you create more of the fear and, and tension than even the film really is, even though the film is doing quite a bit 
but I think it leaves a lot to your own imagination. And yeah. no, there's never there was never this mysterious bad guy who seemingly can't be stopped, and you, you don't really know exactly why it, the motivation, et cetera, et cetera. So just fantastic and so, so groundbreaking. That's what I think made that film so special was that. Um, and, and dare I go off script for a second here and shit on some things because that's what Michelle thinks I do about anytime I'm doing something, I'm, I'm shitting now. Apparently. Are you going to shit uh, on Rob Zombie's terrible versions? Well, oh. I, I can do that. For, I do that. For, I do that for sport. Those are diarrhea. Because they're garbage movies. I think. I think. I know. There's a lot. There was a lot of. <clears throat> I'd you know see sequels to Halloween and they were fun. I think we all enjoyed them to a certain. Well, Halloween three. Well, I, I I love Halloween three. I just consider for it, what it its was. own movie. It's I a mean, very interesting. Film. I don't think you can. If you try to jam it in and try to make it make sense with Michael Myers, then you're going to be frustrated because mm-hmm. it doesn't. It don't. It's not even part of that universe. No. However, it, I think it's great in two of itself. It's just they yeah. titled it that, which was strange. Well, I actually did read an interview quite a while ago that said that their intention perhaps was to continue making Halloweens more as like kind of like in the spirit of a Twilight Zone mm-hmm. thing. Like it's called the Twilight Zone, but it's not the same people in every episode every time etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah yeah so they thought they might do that but i believe they found that everybody who went to go see that film was so disappointed that it didn't have michael myers in it that they i yeah. think they scrapped that the the producers did i really love the film in and of itself i mean yeah if you take it for on its own merits it's it's actually a fun flick to watch my whole point though is that i think and i know it's all hindsight's 2020 stuff but if halloween was made and they just that was it. That would have it would to me would have been just it wouldn't be so referred to now as you know where where people just kind of giggle now Halloween because we've seen so many things so many reboots and so many different ideas about 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 Michael Myers. Um, I think if it was just left alone, I like I say like a lot like the original Hellraiser. If Hellraiser was just left alone and you didn't make a million uh, sequels. sequels. Um, it would be revered as like, oh my god, you remember that? Holy crap! What the hell was he doing? There's no because yeah. you don't know. It's all left to the, in, in, you know the imagination. It's, it's also surprisingly, like you said, it's like uh, it's not very gory. Like no. it's kind of weird because I watched it as a kid and it scared the shit out of me. Yeah. And then I was older and I rewatched it and it wasn't as gory as I remember. Like, and no. that's kind of like you were saying, you fill it in. Yeah. I I, re- I remember it being way more gruesome than it was there's actually not a whole lot of blood in it i mean it's a violent film but it's not over the top like torture porn gory it's more about atmosphere and the stalking aspect right yeah which is phenomenal to me that's such a smart way to do that yeah Yeah. well in that being the originator of the series you kind of didn't know like michael myers was a mystery was he supernatural was he just a dude walking around with a knife killing people yeah well in you know if they would have just yeah. left that alone at Halloween 1 or Halloween 2, that would have been okay. But now with these continuing entries in that series, like, how does this dude keep coming back? Right. Also, they, they, they did explain temp- it, you know? they it, It's more it's scary when you don't know yep. definitely. where yeah. it's from. I mean, he, here's a little thing that I'll, I'll bring up that kind of has to do with Halloween and also a lot of the other franchise-type films. I think, to me... Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street doesn't fit what I'm about to say because I think they were pretty solid, I, I, except for the that that way later one 
where it was like a dream or something. Dream Nightmare? Warriors? No, no, no. It, it was uh, oh, Freddy's oh. Revenge, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, to me, wasn't good. But the original cluster of mm-hmm. them, I thought they kept a pretty good integrity. But my whole point is that, like, if you're on online nowadays, like if you're perusing Instagram or something like that, and people who are way younger, who never saw them originally, and they only know them by the lore and the DVD box sets that you can get now, or Blu-ray box sets. Yeah. They celebrate <clears throat> pretty much all of them, and I think, in general, they hold them all into a, a pretty equal esteem, roughly. But people who are a little older, who saw them maybe as they came out, uh, we all know that the first only few Friday the 13ths were good. Mm-hmm. And yeah. after that, it really got bad quickly. And same thing with <laughs> Halloween. The Halloween's kept getting a little bit... Like, I think I... Personally, I think... I, I fell off the wagon at, at about four uh, for Halloween's. I did kind of like that arc with the strange, mysterious man. They only showed his boots, and they and he he, he busted Jason out of or uh, I'm sorry, busted Michael Myers out of jail, and you didn't know what was going on. To yeah. me, that was intriguing, and and it worked for me. But then, just after that arc, and they kept making them, I lost interest, and I didn't think the series was good. And definitely like the ones with like H2O and Busta Rhymes and the reality <laughs> show and all. <laughs> I mean, like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. So, I guess my point is that they weren't all good. Some some people kind of celebrate the whole catalog. Well, people who were on originally, I think, know when the different ones, the 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 different series stopped being good. Um, So, I I just think that the original, it just you know, there's nothing that looks like that. I mean, and again, I guess we're getting nostalgic, but you know, that does take me to a time when I when that when those movies were fresh you're like dude this is like the freakiest stuff ever man this, and I mean and again I, you know I don't remember like my parents they used to get on my ass about like Scarface and shit like that <laughs> like yeah. those films but I never got beat up for watching I, my parents weren't beating me up but I never like got in trouble for watching Halloween it was just it was a fun movie I think you know and I think because it didn't have all that gore it wasn't like some big like you were saying Michelle like some torture porn for yeah. the time it was it was just it's more about atmosphere atmosphere and it scares the crap out of there's you there's a scene that's my favorite part is when uh, what's her butt uh, Jamie Lee Curtis Jamie Lee Curtis she's on the phone and she's talking and she's like uh, she she thought she killed him and mm. you see him slowly sit up oh, in the background oh dude yeah. shit yeah <laughs> That's and, after the knitting needle to the face. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, you, and it's like done so perfectly because she's like in focus in the front yeah, and her and face is blurred. filling up the foreground and he's mm-hmm. in the background. You just see him slowly sitting up. And I was like, oh, shit. I don't know why it's like so creepy No, to me no. And because there's no you one... can see it and she can't see it. And it's just. Mm-hmm. Well, Kane from WWE owes his whole career to that scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's there's, move there's on. No, I don't think there's anybody in has not screamed at the TV no. when that when you saw that i remember exactly what you're talking about mm-hmm. i was like get out get out right so, i only want to spend a couple minutes on the fog because i think the two after that shit, are though. even more important but i yeah. think the fog did a lot of the same things halloween yeah, did dude. a lot of mood a lot of slow mm-hmm. pacing yeah some Just, people don't like that one because of that i think i think that threw some people i fucking love it i love when those, I love when those things all you see is the red eyes yeah. And you just, you don't see them. That's, again, it's just that beautiful element of mystery. Like, what are these things? Where have they come from? What are they doing? What's their motivation? You know, there's all these questions you have. They're just these mysterious creatures. Yeah. Um, 
just killing people. And the fog just has this like <laughs> so downtrodden evil. mood to it, oh, the man. entire movie, and there's a mystery to it. Right. You know? And it's not wrapped up in a pretty bow like modern films. Exactly. No, no. It's it's dirty. It's it's a, it, I love that movie so much. I did watch the remake and it was cool. I mean, it's It was really almost a shot for shot yeah, remake. I mean, it, it just copied good. everything. They didn't yeah. do anything new with it. I never like, saw that. It was it's all right. I, it's I, okay. I'm a remake hater, so I never almost watched them. <laughs> I didn't honest. pay for it. I, I just kind of with got you. It. I usually <laughs> don't trust them. There's a, there's exceptions yeah. here and there, but usually I'm like, why why remake it? It was great the first time. Mm-hmm. Oh, we we made an art form out of just shitting on remakes, reboots and yes. remakes here. Because all the time. And, and speaking of remakes, we're about to get to one here in a minute. <laughs> yeah. I really I I think these two are probably the most yeah. important movies in his entire career, so I really want to spend more time on those. Um Escape from New York is yeah. a fucking masterpiece. It is. Yeah. Love it. What else do you want me to say? Call me Snake. <laughs> well, we I actually just... when we saw him at the uh concert, they played that uh before the show that he played. They played Oh, that's right. Yeah, they screened mm-hmm. Escape from New York. Yeah. yeah. It's just a fucking cool movie. It's just, it's really like, I always like how Carpenter films have this, like, aura of fuck the man, yeah. you know, go yeah. running through them. Like, every movie, there's always, like, an anti-hero. It's just like, fuck the establishment. And that's, like, that movie, you know. Snake Plissken don't give a shit about what you want. He's doing what he's got to do. Right. You know, and he's only doing it because he kind of has to, not because he wants to. And I don't know. The yeah. whole entire way that movie is just set up is just hilarious to me. Like, it's just the most I don't give a fuck movie I've ever <laughs> seen. Like, just stuff happens and people die in just terrible ways. And it's, I don't know why. It's just, it's it's really gritty and not PC and very, like, nihilistic at times. And Well, my absolute favorite element of the film as far as the design element will always be the cadillac with the with the ornament like the actual like yes. chandeliers mm-hmm. on each yeah that's like that makes the whole movie for me i'm like and the, you know it's like okay whoever's pulling up in that thing is a bad motherfucker. oh yeah because those cars are fancy yeah mm-hmm. uh you know and there's like the only running <laughs> car well there was a i think there was a couple other vehicles but there wasn't really i mean the whole if you know the concept of the film i mean it's a wasteland. Yeah. <laughs> it really has become a wasteland. I mean, that was one of those films, yeah, growing up. Another one of the, you know, these were all films I think we grew up on. And it was just another one of those ones that was just so mysterious to me. Like, you know, and, we, you know, there is a narrative. It, they do tell you why this is the way it is. Um, but you don't, you get to see the inside of this thing now. And it does get your, at least got my mind working like how, okay, so. These people just, this is their world now. This is their universe. And you have to, uh, Snake Plissken has to operate within that and achieve his goal. Kurt Russell is also really incredibly sexy in that movie. <laughs> I would just like to point out. Say what? Is it because Kurt of the Russell? tight leather uh, yes, outfit? Yes, it's because of everything. Gotcha. <laughs> he still looks really good for his age, too. Yeah, he's, like in Guardians, too. It was like, like, holy shit. He's like a super hot grandpa now. <laughs> <laughs> like well, we said- now that I've been getting older, like older guys look hot to me, and it's like weirding me out. <laughs> like I'm like I don't know. Like Jeff Goldblum is like all silver fox and hot, and I'm like, why do I like all these old grandpa guys now? Like, what's going on? I guess it's like menopause is coming or something. I don't know. You're way too young for that. <laughs> Call me Snake. Um, I just we used to say that all the time when we were kids. Like when we heard that line, we were just like, "Call me Snake." We thought that was the baddest thing ever when we were younger. It's also what it inspired uh, Metal Gear Solid. It's what inspired Kojima 
to make Metal Gear Solid. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, really? And Metal Gear uh, Solid 2, uh, well, that's why he calls him Snake, for one thing, but he takes a code name in that, and he calls himself uh, Pliskin uh, mm-hmm. in the second Metal Gear. But he's <laughs> See, totally that's... like, Kojima's like this huge otaku for like Western movies, kind of like I am for Japanese movies, like the opposite. Mm-hmm. And that's one of his all-time favorite movies, and that's what he based like the whole series on was like those kinds of movies, but especially Escape from New York is one of his favorites. See, that's kind of funny how the the cosmos works like that because John Carpenter in later years got really into video games and he even helped develop some video games. There's one in particular. I I actually did play it one time seven years ago or something like that, and it had many sequels to it, or at least two or three sequels to it. And I I can't remember the name of the game now, but you could Google it and find out which video game John Carpenter helped develop. Um, It was pretty good. It was kind of like you were a SWAT person, I think, Mm -hmm. something like that, and uh, got a lot of guns and (laughs) and things like that. And then there was a supernatural element to it. I I can't remember the name of it, but it was a good game. But I think John Carpenter games a lot, and he helps develop them. He might work on music for them too i don't know that for sure but he does he's he's scored some games also i was kind of yeah. reviewing his imdb stuff today and i mean he's had his hand in a lot of stuff yeah <laughs> well been a busy guy it's kind of crazy i'm looking at the list here and i'm just going to run down them really quick because it's kind of funny the fog is 1980 escape from new york is 1981 the thing is 82 christine is 83 starman's 84 big trouble in little china is 86 and Prince of darkness is 87 and then they live as eighty eight. This guy turned out like a great movie yeah. every year. Yeah, well, yeah. for like a decade. Much, he pretty much owned the eighties. It's he did. crazy. Yeah, most people don't have that kind of uh, prolificness typically. That it's just insane. Well, that consistency. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just just to be able, to, like you said, these films we're going through here. This chunk is just everything here is fantastic. And yeah, let's move on to the thing, oh. which is nineteen eighty two. Uh, and that was that was the first entry into what uh, Carpenter referred to as his, his apocalypse trilogy yes. of films. Um, what's to be said about the thing? <laughs> it's like fan- holy shit, man! It's fantastic looking for one. Oh Those God. are probably the top number one horror practical effects I've ever seen s- since. Even oh yeah, it they, looks they, so they hold good. up a hundred percent to yes. this day. Hundred percent. I have it, you know, like you watch them and they have like the super 400K version because it's been redone about and released like 700 times now. But, you know, it looks so good. That oh, that remaster? We yeah. watched that over here one night. It is amazing. Like the remaster looks so good that you would think it came out now. Yeah. Like Can I this please week. schedule a time when I can come over yes, and watch that with yes, you guys? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Thank you. And the sound mix is phenomenal. And what's really crazy is in that remaster, the practical effects, a lot of time practical effects lose their luster when mm-hmm. they remaster stuff. Yeah. They look lush and colorful and it doesn't take anything away from the way those visuals look. Yeah. Cool. The thing what uh the thing, the thing with the thing, <laughs> uh, what's interesting about it is it wasn't well, well received when it came out. People had no idea how to take that movie because it was so horrifically just disturbing and that level of body horror kind of hadn't yeah. been done very much. Right, very dark. Uh, it, people, like, it, they hated it almost when it came out. A lot of critics panned it. They said it was, like, uh, just, you know, too gory, too much. And it wasn't until later that it really became, you know, a mass, considered a masterpiece of the horror genre. I think he was a little ahead of his time with it. Like, 
I mean, it just pulls no punches, and it's such a tense movie. It's it's like claustrophobic. Yeah. Um, the, the the way that they're stuck in the snow, the scene where they're testing the blood is like one of the most anxiety-inducing, yeah. you know, just... Super tense. Yes. You feel like you don't even trust like your own significant other sitting next to you on the yeah. couch watching the film. Well, and that's <laughs> the cool thing about the movie, too, is that you sympathize with all these characters. You really get no backstory for any of them, but they all feel like there's tons of character development to them. And even the bad guys in the movie mm -hmm. i can't remember what the guy's name is right now but even the guy that like goes off and is like hiding yeah like right. you even sympathize well, with he, this guy he was out uh, at that at that far cottage because he yeah. had diabetes right he had diabetes <laughs> <laughs> wilford yes that it was wilford, wilford brimley, brimley. Yeah, yeah. and i got <laughs> diabetes <laughs> so but, i this movie's so awesome just yeah. the music is really good yeah and just, a funny thing about the film or the the music to this film is that it's 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 a Ennio Morricone score, um, but John Carpenter did also get to put a, a little bit of his own music uh, in that film. Um, but Ennio said, I, I believe I read this in an interview too, that uh, the studio wanted him to do the music, and he says, "Well, I I just want to do kind of what you do, John." And he, so it, it kind of follows his minimal. That's pretty sweet, you know. In uh, if 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 my memory is correct, and if I'm if the article's correct, that's what I remember. But uh, another little side note to that, I believe this is true because I, I think I read this too, is that a lot of the score that wasn't used for the thing, I think, got shelved, and then it ended up in Hateful Eight, yes. which then won an Oscar. So yeah. that's kind of crazy. And they also, <laughs> the Hateful Eight has thing references in it too. Like little homage stuff, like uh, the movie is very much the thing all the way through. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. Yeah, it really, the really is. The stagecoach driver it. has child's hat yep. on, and, and he the, looks like him. Yeah. Oh, interesting. And they're I trapped saw it once in the and I snow. Loved it. Yeah. 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 It's very claustrophobic. I'm gonna have also. to pick up on that again. And and, uh, and when they're walking out to go to the outhouse, yeah, they put the little they're, stakes. They're up. putting the stakes in with the yeah. ropes. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. The movie has tons of thing Easter eggs in it. I picked up on all of them because I've probably seen that movie like <laughs> 200 times. Yeah. The thing. Yeah. This was actually the first R rated movie I ever saw. I remember my parents went out to dinner and you know, this was well before we had cell phones or anything like that. My brother was babysitting me and the thing was going to be on HBO that night at like eight o'clock. I had never seen a horror movie, never seen an R rated movie before. And my parents called home to check in to see that everything was going well. And he's like, can Chris watch the thing? And I'm like, please God, yes, please let me watch this movie. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, that's okay. And we watch it. And like, I fell in love with it. Nice. Yeah. Didn't sleep for a week either. Probably. No, actually scary. I was okay. I was okay. Well, there's I one film on this list that I will openly admit kept me awake a couple nights and we'll get to that we'll, we'll get to that soon here um uh, I, I have kind of a fun little when i saw the thing yeah uh, story as well because yeah. uh chris and i are the same age so we saw this, this at the same time just in different cities um but uh i lived on western michigan's campus at the time in kalamazoo at, uh in 1982 and uh um I rode my bike all around campus and found bottles and, and cans, pop cans, and, <laughs> and found just enough to take it to the 7-Eleven to get my dollar, because that's how much the ticket cost, $1. Yep. And the 7-Eleven was just 
across the street from the campus movie theater that's not there anymore i think it's a bookstore now but western michigan used to have their own theater um and it was playing there so i it was my mission to go get bottles and cans get a dollar go to the theater and watch it so that's what i did because they didn't check your age back then mm-hmm. they, they didn't no. care <laughs> dude that's a such a I, I saw it by myself in the theater and now you know why i am the way i am <laughs> i'm surprised they let you buy a ticket I did, yeah. It was, it was no big deal. I saw many films like that, yeah. as a matter of fact. Yeah, like Q, I saw at that same theater. Wow. The same way, finding bottles and cans enough to get into the theater. <laughs> Jaws 3D. All I, I saw many that way. Creep Show. That's oh, amazing. Man. We talked about Creep yeah, Show a talk, couple weeks we, ago. We, we deep delve into Creep Show a while, yeah, a few weeks ago. Nice. Stop. Maybe with uh, the it doing so well. Maybe they'll reboot things, other things Stephen King did. Something. They're actually talking about Creep Show. Yeah, yeah. What do we want to do? That? I wouldn't I be surprised. Re- That's what they do. It. Just I do know. new ones. Like, yeah, exactly. Do new stories, yeah. but keep that kind of like Creep Show. Yeah, they could do that format. Yeah, we can do Stranger Things. That looked pretty good. Why yeah. couldn't yeah. they do that same idea? I mean, it's it's the same feel, same everything. Yeah. Um, if you get again, the right people involved, they'll keep the integrity right. Yeah, I believe. yeah. exactly. Nineteen eighty-three, Christine. Another excellent yeah. horror movie, a Stephen King translation. Speaking yeah, Stephen King, yeah, it's it's a this is a great film too. Yeah, the characters in this movie are phenomenal. Yeah, the high it's school. It's been a lot characters. of years since I've seen this movie. Honestly, yeah, th- I have not th- this watched this one. This one's foggy again. for me too. It, it's no pun intended. Who was the, who was the lead? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> who was who was the star of that? Who the dude? I forget. He he was in a lot of '80s films, of course. And my I'm totally blanking out. I mean, he just... It was Keith Gordon. Keith Gordon. He's, yeah. yeah, he probably hasn't acted in years. Uh, but he was perfect. It, it's they, Whoever casted that, he just had that, you know, that look. You know, the guy just wanted this car. <laughs> you know? Actually, uh, Keith Gordon is doing a lot right now. He's actually... Oh, um, he's directed some episodes of Better Call Saul. He's directed episodes well, of Fargo. He's directed episodes of really? Legion. Um, he directed episodes so of he's the directing, leftovers. He's not acting. Yeah, so I believe he's right very then. busy then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's really busy. He's not acting though. Oh, he actually has been acting. He starred in. He was in a couple episodes of Dexter. That's why I'm tired. And of was also on the bridge, which can't I've never bullshit seen, anybody so. anymore. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, Scott, let me just get out my little phone here, and I'll tell you everything <laughs> you get wrong about. Get your, <laughs> get your iPhone X. Yeah. yeah right. Is that an iPhone? Is that really an iPhone X? Actually, this is an iPhone triple X. Yeah, it comes preloaded with tons of porn. <laughs> <laughs> Rib shot. Yeah. Hey. So you, you have all the all the porn and anti-fake news that yes. you want. Yes. Beautiful. <laughs> and anti-Trump data. I've got the anti-Trump data plan. Christine, um, I don't I think we want to spend a, a lot of time with this. No. One, but, you know, there was some really just tense things. You know, no control whatsoever. That was one of the things that, you know, the car is alive. I mean, I don't know what else to say. And there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that that car does. It's like... Yeah, and this guy has no control over it. <laughs> just, and that's what I think made, when, was the biggest impression I got from the film, which is that the car is control. pissed. Yeah, <laughs> one thing I remember in particular the car is angry. Is uh, <laughs> it's chasing him down the alley. Yeah, and you don't know if it's gonna like crush him into the wall or whatever like that. I always like that scene, yes. and, and that's st- that sticks out for a movie that I don't remember that well. I still remember that yeah. little sequence. Mm-hmm. There's the one at the end where he's actually in the car. And he's just sitting behind the wheel, and he has no control, but he's in the damn car. 
and he's just there's just that scene with him like it's like a dark lit scene and you just see his face in the window just kind of panning heavy because it's like okay what the hell's gonna happen here you know um it's again that's kind of a spotty film for me too i think um but still fond memories of seeing that movie and i if i saw it i'd if it was like you know at some shop for a couple books a dvd i'd grab oh it yeah no it's so still it still it, holds know? up they Hell actually yeah, just did a steelbook great. release of this uh last year too really so uh the next one is starman oh dude i have to say this is dude one of my absolute favorite movies not only of john carpenter but period i, yeah. I really love this film the story Oh, is just God. so. T- I mean, I, I don't care who you are. If you don't tear up a little bit during different spots in this film, mm-hmm. then you must be Taliban, straight yeah, up. Yeah, you're Taliban. <laughs> <laughs> the movie just it, yeah, it's it's oppressive right out of the gate. I mean, you're just you you feel like shit because you just kind of get in the story. You know, you're getting what's happened here um, with the woman. I forgot well, who's a who is it? Come on, get, you got your little phone there. So it who, was the uh, Karen Allen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. thank you. Um, I liked the special effects in this film a lot. You know, for there wasn't a lot, but kind of how you see how you know how things happen the way they do. It's a little dreamy from the piece of hair. That's really where this whole you know from the piece of hair. It's a really uh, good fish out of water story. Yeah, you know, basically he's just lost. He doesn't know anything, and it shows him growing into basically you know this yeah human. But another another element though to me. And John Carper didn't even write this. He only directed it. But yeah. it still has some of the stuff that John Carpenter touches on over many of his films, like um, anti-establishment and, and things of that nature and don't trust the government yeah. and things like that. Um, because we do all the wrong things from the first get-go of contact from another species, you know, yeah. an, an, another uh, alien life form. We do everything wrong. And I, I hope in real life, whenever this may happen, we don't do stuff like that. But from the first second of contact, everything we do is wrong. We shoot him down. Mm-hmm. We're chasing him. Um, it's terrible. And, and it, it's great social commentary to me because I think, uh, at least in American culture, because that's what I know in particular, um, we do that now. Uh, yeah. it's, it's still there, unfortunately. In, t- in 2017, we still have all these issues and problems uh, that, you know I don't have to, I don't have to go into into the news recently to uh to illustrate that everybody no. knows but yeah. to me that's parallel to that to the T well a lot of the themes from Starman were actually repeated in Arrival also oh I want to see know? that I oh you've never to, seen no, that I, I, I oh see we that. have to we have to do like a double screening night we need to watch Arrival over here I've got the 4k disc of that and then we need to check out the thing too oh it's yeah fantastic. Arrival yeah. You you'll so adore that be movie okay. it's so beautiful it's I, I wanted beautiful to see movie. it the minute I knew about it but time is, is yeah. limited <laughs> I know how that is <laughs> I don't buy a lot of stuff but that's a that's a blu-ray I actually made a conscious effort to buy because I wanted to watch it over and over again. It's so wonderful. Yeah, totally highly recommend it. So Starman does have, yeah, you mentioned the fish out of water thing. I think, Chris, you somebody mentioned that. Yes, that that was me. There's some really (laughs) great comedy in the film, though. Um, One of my my absolute favorite scene in the film is in the diner uh, where (laughs) she says shit or something like that, and he's like, shit. (laughs) He's got that... Just totally like, you know, again, just very naive. Yes. Shit. And the, that's when he says it, the way he's like, oh, what are you having? Shit. 
And the lady's like, and he's like, oh, he's just learning the language. And the lady's like, oh, he's getting a hell of a start. And he walks away. Fucking funniest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. I died laughing at that. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and I it, love the, you know, the whole Dutch apple pie thing is great. Oh, too. God, dude. Oh, he, he, yeah, he bites into it. And he, yeah, I think he just falls in love. Like yeah, he, well, what's not to love about Dutch apple well, pie? Well, yeah, Come exactly. On. But <laughs> unless you you're ISIS. But you see his, he bites into it and his face, he's just like, <laughs> yeah, and we and we can all relate yeah. to what yeah. he's going through. It's like, yep, that's that's delicious. That's yeah. me every time I eat some, like <laughs> anything. That same reaction. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. it's wonderful. And, and Michelle touched on the the dreaminess of it. Yeah, and uh, I think besides the visuals, um, th- this this is a film that actually was not scored by John Carpenter um, or Ennio Morricone. It was a it was a totally other guy. I, I wrote his name down just because I want to be able to have my facts straight. Uh, let's see who scored this. I have a lot of notes. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jack Nesensky, I think that's how you say his yeah, last name. Yeah, I think so too. Um, he, I'm trying to think of like what else did he do? He was very active in the 80s and, and in the early 90s, and he well, died. This is the Oracle. Ask him. He, he died in 2000, on. so he didn't oh, obviously no. do anything after that. But um, that is a very dreamy score. Just the score itself is. It's very like a lot of pads on the synthesizer and stuff along those lines. Where it is, I have the score on vinyl. It's one of the one of the first ones I got when I started to collect a bunch of scores of films I loved when I was a kid. And mm-hmm. it that that score really really helps sell and set the mood of that of that film to me. So Starman, obviously we dig that, and then Big Trouble, yeah, nineteen eighty six. Why is that movie so good? I don't know. You know, uh, just the it, opening monologue when he's in the truck and he's yeah. like John Wayne. I oh. it's so good. <laughs> it, it, I actually <laughs> it's had so a, over the top. I had a party where we were watching other movies and there was like you know how every party is always like three just people that are just drunk and they stay the night and <laughs> yeah, like yes. so I put on one of the guys was he's like twenty two or twenty three years old never seen Big Trouble in Little China. I was like, well, we're fucking watching Big Trouble in Little China. It's that happening guy's right fuck now. Done. Well, no, he stayed up like the whole rest of the night watching it, like just trying to keep his eyes open. He was like, "That's like one of the best movies I ever seen." It's like it no age limit to Big Trouble in Little China. It's just fun. I love the detail. It's a fun film. movie. I yeah. love kung fu movies too, so that makes it extra like yeah. awesome yeah. to me because it's like my wheelhouse of stuff, and it's John Carpenter, so it's like combination of like two of my favorite things. Yeah. And he really nails like that. Uh, that. Chinese movie like aesthetic though like the the whole old school kind of like Shaw Brothers stuff mm-hmm. but with like the kind of magic uh, element to it that you don't really see in a lot of movies and I feel like people weren't really that was kind of new to them too like they weren't if you weren't into that it's not as niche now as it used to be you know but back then I feel like people weren't as in the you know kung fu movies so that was like really new to them mm-hmm. Like that stuff. And it has Al Leong in it. That's all I yes. got to say. Because he's one of my favorites of all time. That's He's been in every single good 80s action mm-hmm. film ever. And, and and they had him in this one too. So it's just, it hits every point for me. <laughs> These guys speak English? Hey, yeah. who's this? <laughs> <laughs> that scene right there makes the movie for me. I die. I can watch that over and over again and just die laughing. My, one of my favorite details from this film will always be, if you actually look at his truck, his rig, because um, you hear him say it throughout the film. He says it like twice, like, hey, haul ass! 
right? He'll say that to like people that you know. When, right. Yeah. And if you look at his truck, he actually has like you know on the side of the rig, it says hauling ass. Oh, the, nice. Just, I don't know if it's necessarily it's just a coincidence, but it's kind of like that tagline. And it was I took that away <laughs> of all wonderful things you take from a film, like yeah, haul ass. And so I used to say it all the time for a while when I was a kid, like my dad, like you know, hauling ass, dad. And shut up, Scott. When things like that. <laughs> um, I think we. I don't know if this is true or not, but you know, obviously, one of the characters in the film, I guess, it did inspire Raiden in Mortal Kombat. Oh, absolutely, um, oh, I would say so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't it, know it, what, if they say no, they're lying. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so you know, it probably you know, which has become a very prolific character, not only in video games but in film now too, uh, especially in video games. Though I think too, I mean. Raiden's been with Mortal Kombat since the original one in the arcades. Yeah, there hasn't been one without him, yeah, right? He, I, don't I don't think, think he's, so. Well, he's he's always he's almost always in in every one of them. And he's he's really part of the whole storyline yeah. and mythology and everything about Mortal Kombat now. If you follow the storylines, uh, Raiden's a big part of that still. Well, yeah, because Mortal Kombat's basically like a combination of every trope of like kung fu stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I can imagine they were like big fans of Big Trouble in Little China. And they're like, yeah. oh man, let's put rate, like, you know, let's electricity God in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the scene when a guy blows himself up, too. Oh, yeah. I remember for sure. that being oh. kind of scary to and me. Very as a unexpected, kid. too. Like, yeah. it almost just, he gave up almost. Or something. <laughs> 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 well, you know, because he was so angry. But, like, mm-hmm. most bad guys don't go out like that. Yeah. So it was very <laughs> unexpected. <laughs> so, yeah, movie rules. It's just it's as simple as that. If you have not seen Big Trouble in Little China, kill yourself. You really need to go out and do yourself. A, <laughs> I'm serious. Kill yourself. Don't. Do yourself well, a, at least watch it and then do it. Yeah, really watch first. it and then kill yourself. And then you have like you know. You've I'm not really life. telling you to kill yourself. Yes, I am. No, Getting back in our time machine, we're going to move forward to the year 1987 for Scott's favorite movie of all time. My favorite movie. I'd say my favorite horror movie. Of all I time. think you've talked about this movie more than any other movie that we've ever talked about. On Absolutely. This show. Absolutely, Prince of Darkness. While I know it, it was taken. It took a beating when it came out. It still takes a beating to this day. There are, I'll admit, ha- there are some hokey elements in the film, like a lot of films. There's always going to be something you kind of laugh or wince at. Um, however, Prince of Darkness, literally, from the first time I saw it to this day, I'll openly admit, still disturbs me. Really disturbs me to my core. Um, if you've seen the film, what I'm referring to is the actual dream sequences. If you're in this church, the Brotherhood of Sleep, who were the original monks who were protecting the thing that's there, I don't want to spoil too much. Um, they all had the same dream. And that's what a thread that goes through the film is when people fall asleep in this area, they see these visions. And have you guys, I know you've seen it, Michelle, haven't you? Yeah. You've seen it. Have you seen it, Steve? Very long time. Very. Yeah. Okay. I've only ever seen it once. So it's just I I guess it's not it's not for everybody. I guess I have I've always had a fascination with with the occult and things like that. I think it's on Netflix now because I always see the cover art, that Mm -hmm. new cover art. Yeah. That that they did like three, four years ago. Mm -hmm. So I think it is on Netflix. I'm going to add it to my short list. Yeah. Sit down and watch it again. Um, You know, like I said, I have I've always had this thing with the occult and this film ties a lot of those elements along with with futuristic elements i mean it really has it really covers a lot of genres i think um and it's just the dream sequences the sound of it 
I don't know if Car- Carpenter was responsible for that as far as the sound of these dream sequences, the science that's explained between, behind these dream sequences. It all, in one package, scared the crap out of me. This yeah. was also John Carpenter's second entry into his, into his Apocalypse trilogy that he referred to. This was part two. Um, I wonder if uh, uh, Alan Haworth did any of the sound design because, you know, uh, for those of you who don't know... Um, John Carpenter scored almost all of his films, but mm-hmm. it was a lot of times in collaboration with uh, Alan Hallworth, who kind of helped him with the technical end I should look uh, that up. of it. Yeah. But what a lot of people don't know, though, is besides working with John Carpenter, um, he was respons- Alan was responsible for tons of sound design in, t- in, in so many movies. Basically, all the original cast, Star Trek films, uh, Back to the Future 2 and 3, Poltergeist... Um, a whole bunch of stuff like that he did the sound design for so wow that would be you know not the score not the music in it but like some of the sound effects yeah. or or um non-musical elements uh and and not dialogue elements in in, in a film so yeah he, he may be what was responsible for uh that dream sequence sounds yeah, yeah. this i don't, i'll openly admit this is not a film for everybody i remember this, i had not, a very chilling ending yeah like it, just a really the sun rising. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I like I said I don't think this film is for everybody. I I I understand that, and I I've talked to a million people about this movie, and I've gotten very weird results from those conversations. As far I've as never opinions. seen this one, admittedly. Um, so it, I will. But have I to think check I think it's out. an absolute masterpiece, and it also has Alice Cooper in. He does a cameo, so that's pretty cool. Nice. Um, and you know, there's just some. There's some things just... He's in there as Alice Cooper or a character? He's in there as a character. Okay. Not a main character. Small small role, but it's okay. Alice Cooper. He plays like a homeless person in yeah, this or something, yeah, correct? Yeah. Maybe I did see this and I just... There's some beautiful There's some beautiful shots like murder scenes in the film. Dare I say the beautiful murder scenes, but <laughs> just the way they're shot, you know, with that close-up of the weapon coming at a person, you know, like you, you just veer off to the weapon and then you're like, oh shit, that really looks gnarly. And then, you know, the person just gets mangled up. There's <laughs> just so many things i could go i could i could do a whole damn show about this this film it's just it's my absolute favorite of john carpenter's by far um and it's easily my favorite horror film i guess in that genre we say horror slash fantasy i don't know yeah. but it's more of a horror film a cult. um yeah it, again funny things they're they're a part of it i forgive all that i love this movie um and i gotta stop talking now because i'll just keep just did we skip they live <laughs> no they live no, is next oh well, we got to get back in our time machine, Michelle. Yeah. Get back in our time machine. You ready to get, get in the time machine? Well, I was like, well, I was like <laughs> seven when this movie came out. Well, that's why we're getting in a time machine. You so know, fuck you, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> why are you, you going to be so mean to her for? Because she's younger than us, and I hate it. <laughs> but she's in the older dudes, though. Oh, oh well, perfect. Yeah, I like then. grandpas yeah. now. She's what are you doing later? <laughs> they live. Six year older. <laughs> My pubes are completely gray. Oh, Gross. Boy. <laughs> That's what you walked into, Steve. Old man balls. Right. Didn't you learn the first time? Mmm, saggy balls. No, okay, know, all right. I, I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> <laughs> saggy ball syndrome. Okay, all right, Chris, we're trying to do art here. Stop. Uh, oh, sorry. Be quiet. I thought that was art. Saggy. No. They're going to pull me into it. Shut <laughs> up. Okay, back into our time machine. Uh, we go to 1988. For a little film called They Live. Yay. Mm-hmm. I have a pin from it Fucking on right now. awesome. To, to, Dude. To, to me, one of my favorite elements was how it introduced 
the sci-fi, you know, not reality element of it. Because yeah. before that, you don't really know what's going on. You think, is it conspiracy? Is it just uh, civil unrest or uh, oppressive police? You know, all, all these things, again, what goes into John Carpenter's kind of yeah. undertones of a lot of his stuff. But then all of a sudden, it turns a corner and you have They Live. <laughs> yeah. It's great. I mean, it's partial horror. People don't really do that. Yeah, really. no, I think yeah. they're afraid to do it to do a, a harsh thing like that. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen They Live in a very long time. So I watched it like two months ago, and it. I mean, this movie holds up, especially with like our current like political climate and all the oh, stuff so of that much. that's in there more than ever, more than yes. when it was originally out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I have to wonder sometimes: are these uh, Trump supporters like? <laughs> <laughs> from they live <laughs> it also has the best fucking fight scene ever oh hands down it's just like 15 minutes of two dudes beating the living shit out of each other but it's like i don't know why but it's it so works f- it yeah. completely works and it, it, it shouldn't work actually but it's it works. like a dirty fight too. it's not like choreographed all fancy it's just two guys duking it out you need yeah. like just put it the probably wouldn't on. have worked had it not been roddy piper who yes. did that for a living mm-hmm. i bet you that's yeah i think he carried that yeah, yeah. And uh, you did something with Roddy Piper a couple years ago, correct? Yes. Yeah, that was uh, actually his last film that he did before he passed away. It was uh, a short um, called Portal to Hell. And uh, we, we licensed uh, two Voyager 3 songs that appear in, in that film. And then I, all the rest of it, I scored just me doing what I do, weird bloops and bleeps and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I love that shit. Yeah, it's... Uh, it went to a bunch of festivals and and people seemed to to dig it and i think they're working on um a full length adaptation of it i haven't heard any updates i don't know if i'm going to be involved or right, band, right. anything like that at all but i know they're working on it and i don't know who they're going to cast uh at, you know for the Roddy Piper role now I, I i don't know anymore but i think they were working on it last i heard cool so for time constraints I think we should skip over Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Good, I never saw like that. Forever. I, I saw it. Yeah, in Body Bags. That. I'm not familiar with I that, never one. Saw that one. Oh, what either. about In the Mouth of Madness? <laughs> What's wrong with that? I love this fucking movie. Well, this is part three. <laughs> yes. In the Apocalypse Trilogy. This movie scares the living right? daylights right? out of me every time I... I see it. That creepy fucker on the side of the road with the bike. I can't. I have a hard time <laughs> yeah. processing that. And even these weird uh, Lovecraftian creatures that are in this movie. Well, this yeah. entire movie fucks with me. This movie didn't destroy me like Prince of Darkness did. Like it just really oh, messed my head up. However, it disturbed the shit out of me. There, yeah. There is that. You're referring to like yeah. The creatures. Lovecraftian. Yeah, the Lovecraftian creatures. There's that scene where they're running out of the blackness, just the blackness, and you just, they keep cutting to these just talons and teeth and horns you just keep getting these, these see i remember glimpses. that visual but i don't remember the, a lot of, a lot of the film but mm-hmm. just like that christine alley scene that that one sticks out well in the beginning of the movie with the guy in the city that just starts killing people this is a very aggressive movie from front to back but it has a very twilight zone feel to it also because you never really know what's going on but me and my wife saw this at the theater opening night because i was i've always been a horror fan and it was like we went to the Beacon East 
nice. to see this movie, and there was nobody else, the nobody out, else in the theater except for me and her. And this movie started, and both of us were like, "Holy shit!" Nice. It yeah. scared the hell out of us. You and did, Sam Neill, did didn't you? Yeah, you did it right there in the theater. You yep. creepy bastard. <laughs> I know you. He's did. like really good in horror movies, Sam Neill, because he's good in yeah. um, Possession. Like, possession, and the one where he's like, "Where we're going, I you don't need eyes to see." Oh yeah! Oh, Event oh, Horizon. Event, Event Horizon. Horizon. Oh yeah. man, what he's a really good in that movie. too. He's just like really you good know, at being there, creepy. There needs kinda. to be more sci-fi and horror mashups yeah. like that. Like more things like Event Horizon. I'm not saying copy that, but Event Horizon coming from that from that spirit. I I remember seeing Event Horizon. It was way back in the old days when Forge was on tour, and we, <laughs> and, and we had a day off in Cleveland, and it was Greg and Aaron, same people in Voyager Three, yeah, and yeah. myself. And we went to some mall in Cleveland and saw Event Horizon on our day off on the road and loved it. And the rest is history. You know, there's other movies that kind of cross over with Event Horizon sphere. Yeah, the definitely. Man, sphere Hoppin, was there's, cool. Yeah. There's like a lot of elements. And a then, little more tame version, but yeah. definitely crossover. And sure. of course, Hellraiser kind of crosses over with this movie in some ways also. And what is the, oh, Sunshine. Later on, Danny Boyle's Sunshine shares many. If you watch Event Horizon and Sunshine in succession, they're very similar in the way they roll out. Hmm. Yes. See, I love doing these podcasts with you guys because I end up having this list of things that (laughs) I need to check out. And it's it's quite a long list usually, but I'm I'm like loaded for many (laughs) months of cool movies to check out. Try doing it every week and I do the same thing that you're talking about. (laughs) And I have this just scroll that keeps like just rolling out of the floor like all and it's uh, it's exciting. But you're at the same time you're like, Jesus man, I got all this stuff. I have to to watch watch it. Not because I have to. It's because I really want to watch this stuff, and I really want to take this in. And I'm getting good, you know. And I've and I have pulled a lot of great stuff from just doing this podcast. I know what you're talking about. I've been yeah. tracking my movies this year for the first time because I. Is there an app for that? There, there is an is app there? for that. It's called Letterboxd. It's really. Oh, see, that's adding to the list. It's not a film, but it's a, no. a factoid. Oh yeah, but, uh, thank you for that. I've watched 140 movies so far this year. Dig it. Yeah. I've w- I never kept track before. You have no kids. I know this. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny is people always bring that up. Like on Facebook, I always post when I watch movies so people can chat about it. And they're always like, how do you have all this free time? I'm like, I don't have kids. <laughs> Literally, yeah. I go to work. My only obligations are work. Outside of that, I and have me. no obligations. I'm your obligation. Yes. And podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> so we got about 15 minutes left here. Oh, okay. we on an actual time limit? Yeah, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Village of the Damned. It's because everybody's the place, old. The place blows up if we don't get out of here in fifteen minutes. <laughs> Village of the Damned. All right. I never I, saw that. Actually, I haven't seen this one in a very, very long time. It. Also, I saw this in the theaters when it came out. It's a remake. It's kind of disappointing. The only good thing about it was that Mark Hamill hadn't been in a movie in a very long time. So I was like, I got to see this movie because Mark Hamill's yeah. in it. What yeah. year was this one? Uh, this was nineteen ninety-five. Yep. And this was um before. 
before Christopher Reeve was paralyzed. He was paralyzed, I believe, right after the production of this film. So it was really kind of weird seeing him act in this movie, mm-hmm. knowing he was permanently handicapped now. Yeah. But also Mark Hamill plays this like twisted evil priest in this movie. So it's kind of interesting. Like I haven't seen him since he played Luke Skywalker. He didn't right. really act anymore. He was just doing voiceover work. Yeah. So that was the really interesting thing about this movie. Other than that, I kind of think that this is where Carpenter kind of started to make that downturn because the next thing was Escape from L.A. Yeah, obviously, right. trying that to capitalize. still kind of fun. Yeah, I did. Like I did. Re- I rewatched that. Um, I don't know, five years ago mm-hmm. or so, and it's kind of fifty-fifty. There's parts of it that have some of the same spirit and 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 right. attitude that the original had, but then the other fifty percent is like. You know it was late '90s, and you know, you know this the the shark CGI and the surfing thing, and you know what I'm saying. Things yeah. like that. It kind of threw me. I was really excited to see this, and I remember I saw this in the theater too. In like the beginning, I was like, "Oh, this is pretty good." It's got that you know old school carpenter spirit. But as soon as the surfing stuff started, right. so I was like, "Oh, dude, come on!" Right. It kind of became a satire of itself at that point. Well, uh, the marketing campaign when that movie was coming, you know surfacing i just what i was getting from the trailers and things like that i mean and i did see it and maybe i was prejudging before i even went into the film but i'm like this just doesn't like a lot of those original like those greats you know especially escape from new york there was just such a darkness about that film that we kind of touched on already and i don't think escape from la was there's just no way it was ever going to really achieve I mean, yeah, it, it couldn't be the same thing. You know, it couldn't well, plus be. Plus, he has I don't more wanna... budgets in these later films because he's John Carpenter. He's famous by this point, so yeah. they just—he's basically like, "I want money for a movie." You know, back then he'd be like scrimping and saving and using what he had, and like, I feel like that made his movies a little bit better when he had less money to play around with. Definitely. Well, yeah, you're always going to be creative. You're going to be pra- you know, with practical effects, especially. Yeah. I think that's where all that magic comes from. Well, in the '90s, with... everybody's excited about CGI too. They're like slapping it and everything, and it oh, looks like Jurassic shit Park now. was awesome. Awesome. Right, Let's right. throw it in everything and, now. And a, a cool little, I always like to do tie-ins or, or, or parallel things. We were talking about quicksand way earlier in the uh, in, in this episode. Um, on the soundtrack to uh, Escape from L.A., uh, a related sort of band, uh, Orange Nine Millimeter, had a song yep. called Fire in the Hole, which appeared on the album Tragic, their second record. Um, that's on the soundtrack, so there you go, tie-in. <laughs> <laughs> do those guys still play? Orange Nine Millimeter? Yeah. No, no. Okay. They've been broken up for quite a while. Okay. But all three of their records and their one EP that they ever did, all of it, solid. Yeah. Solid as hell. Solid. Who was the drummer in that band Matt again? Cross from Matt yeah. Cross. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Still yeah. talk to him. He's a teacher now. I think he's a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Last I heard, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I actually was trying to get him to come play in a band of mine. I'm like, Matt, we need a good drummer. You're well, he best. played in um, my band that I was in for a while that I played drums in Project Balance years ago. Uh, we played with Tony Hamera's band at Paychecks yeah. like yeah. 15 years ago, and Matt played in his industrial band, Firework. Oh, you're right. Yeah, 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 for sure. And yeah. Alex was in there, too. Yeah, yeah. 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 Small so, world. And, Matt's, and, and, Matt's very busy. He's a, he's a father now, too. Yep, that he was, sure is. When we talked, yeah, he's like, I'd love it. He's like, I, I'd like to do it. He's like, but I just had a baby. 
And I'm real. I'm like that. All I needed to hear. <laughs> Everybody's having babies. We're moving man. on. Moving on. Not yeah, Matt Cross. He's a good, good dude. <laughs> real good dude. The Orange Nine Millimeter is a crusher of a band. They were. Oh, they yeah. were incredible. I have all their stuff too. You can't touch those guys. Vampires is next. I honestly don't remember much I, I, about I this guess movie. I, I can say I haven't seen any more except for the ward i did watch the war because okay. it was on netflix which i didn't and really it was care. you know it was all right but it Vampire wasn't stellar. Watched the war is campy like any all 90s john carpenter stuff is so super familiar. campy the ward the ward was 2010 though yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that was the last film no i mean i never even heard of that movie it's got my girl my crazy girl amber heard in it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I know. I for some reason I know I've seen it, but it must have not been that good because I can't remember a damn thing. No, I think people basically bashed this one across the board. I and think I've, so. I've is watched that James it once. Wood in it. Uh, in Vampires, James Woods yeah. is in that. Yes. And then after Vampires was Ghosts of Mars, which was two thousand one. Yeah. That movie's booty. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Mr. Carpenter. Natasha Henstridge, Ice Cube, Jason Statham. Yeah, like, I never saw that. Clea Duvall. Pam Greer's in this though, so it can't be that bad. Whoa. It's um Pam no, Greer's it's bad. It? Yeah, it is pretty bad. I haven't no, seen it I'll a long time. It Maybe it's fun Greer. bad. I don't know. Yeah, sometimes it's worth it to revisit a film if you haven't seen it in a long time. You're in a different headspace. Mm-hmm. You can see it for something different, perhaps. Well, I've said that about Salem's Lot. The, you know, from the the original, they did it in the '80s, which the book was fantastic. I kept read that a bunch of times, but the movie, it really did bring in when I was really young. You know that like the window scene. We may have met, we may have mentioned that previously. Yes, sure. the yes. window. Like, yeah, everybody talks about that. That yeah, fucked sure. me up royally. The, the floating, the weird. Yeah, <laughs> and I remember I bought a copy. I saw I found a cheap copy at record time, and it was still open over there on Gratiot. There was a you know burner copy you know there, and I I'm like Amber to my <laughs> Amber. I'm like we so gotta watch this movie. It's gonna scare. Have you seen it? No. Okay, this is gonna scare the crap out of you. We're gonna watch this movie, and we put it on. <laughs> Sitting watching it, and Amber's looking at me. He's like. So when's the scary part start, Scott? <laughs> <laughs> but here, it's coming the window scene. The, the, well, I guess it isn't that scary. Well, it's because I'm old now. You know? Yeah, it, it depends when you see things sometimes. Yeah. yeah, oh, totally. Yeah, and I was just a little kid. Like when I saw Ghost Story the first time, I still love that movie. It's a great story. It's a really great film, but it's really not that scary. But when I first watched it, when I was like in like you know my teens, 14, 15, that movie scared the hell out of me. And now it's just kind of like, what was really so scary about that? Yeah, yeah a, lo- a lot of that is uh, how we were talking about earlier about Halloween. Is uh, sometimes a film will let your own mind fill in stuff. Yes. and I, I bet you that movie is a lot like that. So you yeah. made it scary, basically. I, I think those are the greatest films. Honestly, I think. We live in an age now where everything has to be explained to us. We have to know, you know, it is, and I think the idea of the nerd, you know, it's such a prominent thing now. And I mean, God, like Pacific Rim is getting ready to come out next year, and I am subscribed to a million YouTube channels of people <laughs> just speculating on. I mean, asking just all these ridiculous questions, but they're really just waxing intellectual on stuff they have no clue what's going to happen. Right? There's actually uh, uh, the Red Letter Media. Have mm-hmm. you ever seen those guys? They yeah. do like this hilarious um, podcast satire 
where they just talk it's called the nerd crew but it's like this really annoying version of a podcast where they just speculate about star wars shit for like an hour (laughs) but it's like the silly stuff like did you have you have you noticed the color of the font that they're using and they also like eat ridiculous foods like they're just making fun of like podcasts that are like that with star wars that's probably endless yeah it's It's such a big thing it's pretty accurate but i mean is there there, you're saying their predictions are usually right no, they're, well, they're like playing characters. Like they're it's pretending to be on a satire. There's always like th- there's like one guy that's always eating something fucked up while they're doing the podcast. So he's like eating popcorn like right into the <laughs> thing. Or one time he was like eating soup and he was like just slurping it. And there's like the other guy. And every episode they start, they kept adding more like nerd paraphernalia like to the background <laughs> and, and like shit keeps appearing on a table. So now they're just sitting in mounds of like star wars merchandise and they're wearing like five hats and shit and it's it's actually pretty damn funny but i'll have to look that up but it reminds me of like this i feel like uh social media in a way has kind of ruined movies coming out because before a movie could be made in a vacuum kind of and you wouldn't know about all the pre-production somebody farted on set and it sucked and this guy's getting (laughs) fired and you can see you don't see all the script rewrites you never saw that stuff it just like you just they just made a movie like when jaws came out they just made jaws nobody really knew that much about it, it just and then came it, from out of nowhere and then it yeah. came out now we know every single you know minute detail of everything that's well, coming yeah. out and it's annoying because yeah. it colors I, I feel like i, I almost want to say maybe it's affecting like m- how movies are being made like maybe they kind of take into account all this social media reaction to stuff no, and i would change definitely things. say well, that you're right on that for i sure. mean alien covenant's one that i was very intimate with obviously we're all fans <laughs> they had like four <laughs> no. or five different like shut up chris they had four or five <laughs> different like you know pre trailer type things like just companion pieces that we saw before the movie even surfaced yeah. Uh, so we had all this stuff we were seeing. We were getting already getting backstories to the film. And we're Blade getting, Runner did the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Blade like, Runner twenty forty nine. Yeah, yeah. I guess my whole point with that though is, you know, how much do we have to know? We don't well, need everything. To know. Apparently, we, we want to be nerd. I understand that. You know, excited. And I, and I love, I love the fact that people are that excited about art. I'm that really does warm my heart that people still really get that excited about anything, especially when it comes to a story being told and you get a piece of that story, but you want to know more, right? You want more. I just finished a book, another Neil Stevenson book and I finished it. I'm like, man, this was so awesome. I had such a ball with this. I want to, I want more though. I want more. And that's, I guess that's a healthy thing, but you know, uh, wishing and actually acting on it and like you know I love fan fiction too but it's like god you're just yeah. scrambling my brain stop it I feel no like more. there's a sense of entitlement that's kind of become more prevalent that's, yeah. like where people feel like creators owe them a certain product as if art is a product and when and when it's not art is like something you that's personal head. you know well, there's a certain bubble that does treat art as a product like the execs yes. and the company end of it they look at it like you know a jar of peanut butter or whatever and it doesn't work that way but i can see how that those lines get blurred though because of that so you're right for sure um i was gonna say something about that oh yeah um a lot of times if it's a film that i care about or like blade runner for example Mm -hmm. i'm hoping it'll be good blade runner 2049 um but i i purposely really didn't watch anything about it. I think the very first 
10 second teaser that they put out like mm-hmm. six months ago. I did watch that because I figured, man, that's not going to really give you anything. Um, but like with Star Wars and everything like that, I don't watch trailers pretty much and I don't read about it. I don't do anything because I like to go into a film Cold. like old school and not really Cold. know yeah. anything at all. It's been some films the trailer is like a basically cliff notes of the whole film. You've yes. seen those the, those kind of trailers cut like that. It's terrible to me anyway. Uh, you know, you get a, you basically get a whole rundown of the whole film. You don't even need to see the film basically. I I I, I think I'm like you, Steve. I mean, I like to have some anticipation. I like going into a theater for a film I'm really excited to see and having that anxiety, that healthy anxiety, I think, yeah. where you're like, oh, dude, what's going to happen here, man? This is going to be this gonna be awesome. Right. Um, yeah, but if you're front-loaded with all this bonus material before you go in, well, what's, makes that, what's exciting about that? Yeah, what? and you're definitely going to be skewed mm-hmm. to a certain way, whatever way that is, I don't know, but it depends on the person and it depends on what you know, but you're not yeah. going to just take it as a story that unravels in front of you. You're going to have predetermined expectations yeah. or things like that and i don't know if that's right or not it's not right for me that's all i can say i like good stories and before we end i will say this like me and michelle me and michelle saw it together in both of us this was one of those movies that lived up to the hype machine in the first like three minutes of the movie it's the first time you see the clown you're fucking thrown off guard <laughs> by how creepy he is because of the way he talks and he's drooling when he's talking and his eye starts moving mm-hmm. different ways and shit. Nice. And then something so brutal happens right off the bat that you're sucked right in. And we both like looked at each other like, did that really just happen? Yeah. Right? Well, the thing with, and also with it, I also had not watched too many trailers or read a lot about it i just the one trailer that came out i watched and then i was like oh you know um uh, but another thing is we see movies early before there's hype as another thing because i'll watch i get really sad because i'll see a movie like a week early and i really like it and then i'm like yeah it's so good and then like it gets hyped up and everybody like is all disappointed because they have this super high expectation of something before they watch it when I have almost zero expectations usually before I go see movies. Of course, I'll get excited. Like, for example, Blade Runner 2049, I'm really excited about because I love cyberpunk stuff. I love sci-fi. I'm, that's my gym jam. So, you know. <laughs> but even now, that movie's a little bit messed up for me because, you know, they had the whole thing with uh, Johannesson's not doing the score anymore. And now it's Zimmer. Right. They keep and changing they shit. They keep changing you shit. Can't with, and you I'm can't just mess like, with Zimmer, though. There's, I don't get what's up with electronic scores, but there's so many people that like specialize in doing electronic scores, and they never use those people. They always use like Zimmer and stuff, and I like Zimmer, but he's not electronic-y, not retro well, yeah, sound. Yeah, he, he's either doing a real orchestra or yeah. orchestra samples, which there's nothing wrong with that, but I know what you mean. Um, it seems like typical Hollywood or big-time Hollywood that's their go-to. They're almost afraid of like synthesizers mm-hmm. or so. I mean, and I guess I can get that if you're spending so much money on a movie, doing a score that's all synth-based, it kind of puts it in a bubble. And this is what I like to do. Yeah. So trust me when I say this. I mean, I'd like to get hired for, or the band get hired for many things, of course. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a specific thing yeah. that not everybody goes for, I guess. But I and wish it more makes people the movie did. feel retro or something. Is that what it is? Like they it feel- can, I guess. 
the thing with synthesizers to me is that it, they don't have to sound old. It doesn't have to be retro. I think if you take some time and I mean, if you want to, that is some people like yeah. to do the retro thing, but synthesizers don't necessarily have to be old basically to me, you know, I, I think you can craft new sounds I feel like that, that, that aren't, you know, yeah. 1984 you mm -hmm. know, per se. I right. love those sounds though. <laughs> All right, thanks you for assholes. joining us, Steve. Thanks for hanging yeah, out. Oh, thanks for having me. I had a yeah. great time for sure. This is a One great show. thing we did not mention tonight is make sure you checked out projectorscreen.com. They're going to sue us. They are going <laughs> to sue us. No, they love us. <laughs> they, we send we love them business. Too. Yeah. And uh, make sure you download our new app off the Google Play Store for Android. Just uh, look for the movie sleuth, yeah. and you will find it there. Earn that. I think we're good. Hey, Chris. Yeah. It was good hanging out with you again, brother. <laughs> <laughs> you want to touch me in the bathroom after? Right now. Let's Sweet. go. Let's go. Later. Uh, uh, can you guys wait for the bathroom, please? <laughs> <laughs> Visit us at www.themoviesleuth.com and find The Movie Sleuth on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and iTunes. <laughs>